Educate for Life on AM 1170. The answer is sponsored by EducateForLife.org. This is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover on AM 1170, The Answer. Educate for Life, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you. What you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at educateforlife.com. Now in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego, every Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. And uh, we've got some interesting subject matter to cover today. Uh, you may or may not know that, um, you know, with all the stuff happening here, uh, presidential campaigns uh, uh, under underway and all the... Uh, uh, controversy over who's going to be running for president and uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, just last Monday, um, Bobby Jindal actually announced that he is putting together a presidential exploratory committee. And uh, if you know anything about him, a very conservative guy, he's done a lot for the state of Louisiana. He's a very um, uh, school choice oriented person, um, he believes in charter schools and private schools and really a free market when it comes to education. Uh, and he's caused a little bit of controversy because he also signed a bill not too long ago, uh, that had that allowed schools in Louisiana to actually teach creationism. And in 2008, uh, one of the fellows, one of the uh, pastors there in Louisiana actually uh, started talking about this bill and uh, Bobby Jindal listened and he ended up um, signing what's called the Louisiana Science Education Act. And uh, basically this put into law that uh, you can teach in Louisiana, you can teach that uh, creationism uh, along with evolution is an option to the origin of life. And of course, a lot of people don't like that. I, I'm reading uh, an article right here written by a gentleman who's very upset about this. And uh, what he says, uh, he says, you know, when I first found out about Bobby Jindal, he was not a creationist. And in fact, Bobby Jindal was a Brown U- University biology major. Um, and he says the reason that Bobby Jindal actually became a creationist was because he wanted to run for president. Now, that's an interesting claim uh, that somebody would actually change their position uh, uh, regarding creation and evolution in order to be more electable, uh, you know, as far as becoming president or or governor or whatever that may be. Um, I would actually think normally it would be the opposite that uh, that's the case. But now politicians do change their views in order to uh, uh, appeal to particular crowds. But is it true that Bobby Jindal changed his view because he wanted to be more electable? He decided to abandon the idea of evolution, being a biology major, embrace creationism simply because he had political aspirations. That's a pretty bold claim there. Now, uh, the Discovery Institute, who is uh, very much involved in the debate over intelligent design uh, and evolution, and if, if you don't know the difference between intelligent design, creationism... Uh, basically creationism starts with the Bible creation science starts with the Bible and, uh, and uses that to look at, okay, so how does science fit with what we understand from, uh, biblical history? Whereas intelligent design, uh, says we don't need to refer to the Bible. We're going to look at the patterns in nature, um, that indicate a design was involved. Now, uh, so, so there is a difference between the two. The Discovery Institute is focused on uh, intelligent design. And although many people will conclude, okay, the designer is God, uh, they, don't, uh, they don't necessarily say, okay, the designer has to be God. It could be, you know, aliens or some other uh, form, some other, uh, I don't know, intelligent mind that uh, created everything. Now, um, this, this fellow here who wrote this article that I'm uh, reading off of here, he says that um, I'm looking for his name here, but he says that essentially uh, a national poll showed that 13% of American public school uh, science teachers teach creation on the outright and an additional 60% defy the national research council's recommendation 
to endorse evolution over creationism. In Louisiana, where the Science Education Act protects teachers who break the law, he says it can be even harder for many students to learn evolution. So he is really upset and and feels that most kids are not going to get to hear about evolution. They're going to learn about cre- creation and, and, you know, more and more kids aren't learning about evolution. Now, I happen to completely uh, disagree with this. 90% of kids in America go to public schools where by, by and large, by far the dominant uh, view that's taught about origins, where people came from is the evolutionary perspective uh, where, how we got to where we are today. He ends with this statement, with this paragraph here, He says, I'm sure Jindal's kids are intelligent, capable, and hardworking, and they're learning evolution. In fact, in the governor, they probably have an excellent science tutor, right? So he uh, applauds the the fact that uh, Governor Jindal was a biology major. And then he says, they might even go to Brown University and major in biology, just like their father. I just hope that unlike their dad, they never embrace pseudoscience because of their presidential ambition. And uh, this is... This is from um, Slate magazine. This was published on May 19th, just recently, uh, two days ago. And uh, Jindal announced just on Monday what what his uh, presidential ambitions. So I guess what I want to talk about today is um, what kind of evidence do we actually have? Is it possible that Jindal's efforts or his his uh, deciding to switch from evolution to creation is not because of his political aspirations, but actually because he believes it is scientifically more feasible to believe in creation than evolution. And I want to um, propose some ideas. Now, I've, uh, if you haven't read the book by Dr. John Sanford, he's a Cornell University professor who uh, wrote a book on uh, what's called genetic entropy. He actually uh, attributes his switch uh, from atheism to Christianity and from evolution to creation uh, not because of presidential aspirations, but because the science, uh, his his experience in genetics, the science caused him to decide that evolution was not true and that creation was true. And I, let's talk a little bit about evolution and creation. Um, it's important to understand these concepts and what they basically teach. And surprisingly, a lot of people do not know uh, what they teach. So Let's define evolution. Evolution is the common descent of all life on earth from a single ancestor by undirected mutation and natural selection. Uh, The the key phrases there or terms are undirected mutation and natural selection. So really to understand evolution, we have to understand what what is meant by undirected mutations and natural selection. And we have to assess, is it really possible that um, undirected mutations and natural selection could take us from a simple celled organism to what we are today. And uh, so let's look at that. What is an undirected mutation? Well, if we look this up, if you, if you look up uh, Nova's definition of what an undirected mutation is, it says, a change in the genetic material, DNA or RNA, in the case of some viruses, um, an accidental mistake in the programming code of a living organism. Uh, I'm sorry, hold on. Let me, let me fix that there. Uh, actually, it says here, uh, resulting in new or rearranged hereditary determinants. Mutations are rare, random events in which the base sequence of the nucleic acid molecule is changed. So essentially what you're looking at here is a mistake in the programming code of a living organism. And uh, of course, all living organisms have code. That's why your body knows how to build itself. Um, meaning this is the reason we don't have ears on our forehead uh, or, you know, our, our arm growing out of our knee or anything like that, because you have a programming code inside your body that tells your body how to develop and build itself, essentially. Now, um, the question is, uh, does that code improve over time through undirected mutations uh, to the point where you can go from uh, uh, building just a single-celled organism to building something that has more than 10 trillion cells in it, the human body? Now, a little bit more about Dr. John Sanford. Uh, Like I said, he was a Cornell University professor for more than 25 years. He's been semi-retired since 1998. He has a PhD from the University of Wisconsin in plant breeding and plant genetics. He conducted genetic research at the New York State Agricultural Experiment Station. He's published over 70 scientific publications, been granted over 25 patents, 
And uh, three of his most important scientific contributions were the biolistic uh, gene gun, biolistic process, pathogen-derived resistance, and genetic immunization. He started two successful biotech businesses, and he still holds a courtesy associate professor position at Cornell. Now, um, we're, we're about coming up here on a short uh, break here, but I wanted to uh, just encourage you. You know, I would love, I value your feedback. If this show, if you've been listening for a little while now, if this show is uh, helpful to you, if it's uh, inspiration to you, whatever the case, would you mind sending me a, an email or um, connecting with me on Facebook or Twitter or whatever the case? Um, I just love to have some feedback uh, to know that um, this show is a benefit to you. So we will be right back. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll continue this discussion of evolution versus creation and this scientific evidence for one or the other. Wake up, America. Diets don't work. Two-thirds of us are overweight or obese, and most of us have dutifully dieted our way there. Research indicates the average woman spends 17 years of her life on a diet. Stop dieting. You can lose weight permanently. Thousands already have. Call now for a free DVD. Your body is a divine miracle. Activate the miracle and lose weight permanently with healing foods. Call the Smart Food Club at 888-787-8188. Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family-owned, Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Maine and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We are on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org, and you can listen to a recording of this show on that site. We podcast the shows. Um, The recording will be up tomorrow. So uh, if you miss something, feel free to go back and listen to it. And um, we're talking about evolution and creation in the news I just was talking last segment about Bobby Jindal, who uh, has signed a bill in Louisiana stating that creation can be taught alongside evolution. He himself is a creationist. And uh, the author of the article I was I was referring to last segment was uh, saying that Jindal changed his mind about evolution because of his presidential aspirations, not because there's any scientific proof that evolution's wrong or that creationism is right, but because of an ulterior motive. Um, Just recently in San Luis Obispo in California, a teacher, um, it looks like brought up creationism and it's, it started a huge controversy because uh, the ACE, the um, let's see the atheist United uh, for San Luis Obispo uh, got involved. They were upset about it. The teacher's name is Brandon Pettinger and it looks like he's not teaching uh, this particular life science class any longer since this controversy took place. Um, the Freedom from Religion Foundation, the Richard Dawkins Foundation, and the Atheist United uh, for San Luis Obispo um, sent a letter of complaint to the school and the district saying that Pettinger was teaching creationism in the classroom. And this is a, uh, a statement from... David Leidner, one of the board members for the Atheist United uh, for, for San Luis Obispo, he said this, he said, the bottom line is creationism is not science, so it has no place being taught in a science class. Creationism is based on religious beliefs, not on scientific evidence. So if you are teaching creationism, you are teaching religious beliefs. The teacher is entitled to his own religious beliefs, of course, but he's not entitled to be teaching them in a science class. And then, uh, It goes on here. It says, according to the California Department of Education science framework for California public schools, nothing, and and I quote, nothing in science or in any other field of knowledge shall be taught dogmatically. Now, this is so interesting. And and then it defines dogma. It says, dogma is a system of beliefs that is not subject to scientific test and refutation. Now, this is so interesting to me because... In many cases, it actually seems like evolution has become a type of dogmatic belief, meaning 
It's a system of beliefs that is not subject to scientific test and refutation. So I know that many people would disagree with me on this point, but in, in many cases, um, if if you cannot, a bad hypothesis is one in which uh, you have no ability to prove or disprove it, right? So you have to be able to, uh, uh, the scientific method is testable, repeatable, observable, and often thrown in with that is falsifiable. And yet if you have a theory that, Nobody is willing to um, say, okay, it's wrong because of this, or it's wrong because of this, or it's wrong because of this. Then you have a theory that's not a good theory or a hypothesis that's not a good hypothesis because it can't be, re- be proven wrong. It's like saying uh, watermelons are blue until you cut them open, then they turn red, right? Well, there's no way to prove or disprove it. Therefore, uh, it's a bad hypothesis. And yet, uh, sometimes evolution uh, seems like it is being dogmatically adhered to despite evidence against it. And I'll give you that evidence here this evening uh, as we cover this uh, subject. So uh, they say nothing in science or any other field of knowledge shall be taught dogmatically. And um, so compelling belief is inconsistent with the goal of education. The goal is to encourage understanding. Now I would argue that uh, intelligent design creation science uh, can be taught without being dogmatic. And the scientific aspects of those uh, those historical scientific claims um, can be taught without being dogmatic about it. Let's look at the evidence and say, where does it lead? Rather than, this is what is the case, and we're going to force the evidence to adhere to that. So, it uh, goes on to say here, Leidner said a parent of an 11th grade in one of Pettinger's life science classes contacted the group after her son came home saying that Pettinger had devoted three days to watching the Bill Nye Ken Ham debate titled, Is Creation a Viable Model of Origins? So I guess this life science teacher uh, decided to watch this debate between creationist and evolutionist, and uh, it was uh, pretty popular when this happened. And anyway, the uh, teacher got uh, the the student didn't like that and so that happened now it's interesting because in Kentucky right now the Ken Ham the the guy who own, who's the creationist in that debate with Bill Nye actually they're building a full scale ark uh, according to the dimensions that are listed in the bible and it's gigantic and right now uh i believe it's the freedom from religion foundation is arguing that the state should not be giving um the same tax breaks that they give to other organizations Two answers in Genesis because uh, for building the ark because it is a religious organization. And uh, so this controversy, you you know, you might say, well, creation evolution, you know, what does it really matter? Well, it's all over the place. It's it's being uh, discussed and disputed all over the place. And when it comes down to it, it really does matter. Um, And we want to be educated about this particular issue. So uh, let's pick up. where we left off, I left off talking about Dr. John Sanford, who was a Cornell University professor who argues that uh, evolution is not uh, viable. The idea of molecules to man evolution. Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking about adaptation, which is change from one kind of animal, uh, change within a kind of animal or a family of animals. So you, of course, have different types of horses, different types of dogs. That's adaptation. Um, I, uh, nobody argues that that's not true. Uh, what creationists argue is that evolution is not true. What intelligent design proponents argue is that evolution, that is change from one kind of an animal to another kind is doubtful and that the evidence doesn't seem to support that particular view. And if you think this is just a few people, it's not uh, just go to the website, descent from Darwin.org descent from Darwin.org. That website has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of PhD scientists who have signed on saying, you know what, I've looked at the evidence and uh, it's not viable. And uh, you have people on there like Dean Kenyon, who who used to be one of the leading chemical evolutionists in the world, but uh, said, no, this is not going to work out. Anyway, so what does John Sanford say about why evolution won't work? He says that um, that essentially what evolution is doing is trying to tell us that um, all you have to do is introduce into the genetic code, uh, introduce mistakes, which are essentially typographical errors, and that over time, so I'll give you an example. Let's say we applied the the evolutionary theory to building 
a wagon and we wanted to learn how to build a space shuttle. So in contrast, let's say we know how to build a cell, but we want to learn how to build a human body, right? We want to go from cell to 10 billion cells. So <clears throat> from an evolutionary perspective, uh, it goes like this. Uh, you, t- you throw in letters randomly into the instruction manual of how to build the wagon. You read the new instructions. You build wagons off the new instructions. Any wagon that doesn't come out good, you get rid of that bad wagon. And eventually, after a real long time of repeating this process, you'll have a space shuttle. So essentially what he's saying is you throw typographical errors into the instruction manual. And over time, the instruction manual will get better and better and better. It will increase the amount of information. And eventually, you'll have the instruction manual to build a space shuttle. So you'll go from maybe a wagon to a tricycle to a bike to a motorcycle to a car to uh, on and on, you know, to an airplane, and eventually you'll get to a space shuttle through this process. Now, of course, it takes billions, millions, and billions of years to do this, according to evolutionary theory. But essentially, in a nutshell, that is what evolutionary theory claims, what I just explained. Now, John Sanford uh, at Cornell University has a huge pro- problem with this, okay? He says that's just not going to happen. And this is a quote from his book. Isn't it remarkable that the primary axiom, that is the fundamental belief of biological evolution or its foundation, essentially claims that typographical errors plus some selective copying can transform a wagon into a spaceship in the absence of any intelligence, purpose, or design. Now, um, this is a a quote from uh, an article um, talking about the raw material for evolution mutations, equivocally beneficial mutations, which still have a downside are extremely rare about one in 10,000 unequivocally beneficial mutations are non-existent in nature. When we come back, I'll explain to you what the difference is between an equivocal and an unequivocal mutation and why this is so damaging for the theory of evolution. We'll be right back. Wake up, America. Two-thirds of us are overweight or obese, and it's not your fault. End the guilt, frustration, and pain. Stop dieting, starving, and depriving yourself. Free yourself from the bondage of feeling trapped in your body. Forgive yourself. Achieve permanent weight loss with healing foods. You can love food again. You can lose weight permanently. Thousands already have. Call now for a free DVD. Your body is a divine miracle. Learn how to activate the miracle. Call the Smart Food Club at 888-787-8188. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer, in San Diego every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org, where you can listen to a recording of the show or past shows. I offer awesome, excuse me, (laughs) I'm talking too fast there. I also offer uh, online classes on these subjects, uh, like mutations and evolution and creation. And uh, you can take full classes with with all the uh, notes, follow along notes and articles and everything else to really get a grip on these issues because they're they're extremely significant. Now, um, also, I I really value your feedback. If you have any uh, feedback you'd like to offer me for for this show, I'd love to hear from you. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at Educate for Life. And you can also follow me on YouTube. You can follow me on Facebook. Uh, educate for life is my ministry. My name is Kevin Conover, and I'd love to have your feedback to know, uh, what you think of the show. If it's been a benefit to you, if it's, um, taught you some things that, or, or informed you about some things that maybe you didn't know before. And, uh, right now, if you're just tuning in, we are talking about why Dr. John Sanford decided that evolution was not a viable option for him. He's Cornell university professor, 25 years, uh, numerous patents, and ultimately decided to abandon evolution because genetics, his study of genetics, didn't indicate it was true. Um, so equivocal beneficial mutations mean they have an upside, but they have a, a downside too. Uh, unequivocal beneficial mutations, 
would be a mutation that gives an upside, but it gives no downside. And according to many people, these don't exist. Now, I was visiting a geneticist because my daughter has cystic fibrosis, and I specifically asked her, uh, are there any beneficial mutations? Because we, we, she was talking about how my daughter's cystic fibrosis comes from a, uh, comes from a genetic mutation. And, and uh, she said, we all have lots of mutations in our body, but hers manifested because she had a mutation, a similar mutation on both chromosomes. So I asked her, so what, what, what are the beneficial mutations? And she looked at me for a second and said, well, you know, I can't really think of any, but, but I'm sure they're, they've happened because, you know, that's how we evolved. And then we got into a discussion about evolution and I explained to her that I don't agree with evolution. And I even asked her the question. I said to her, what would it look like if you had a person who, uh, a person who had zero mutations in their body? And she said, well, that's an interesting question. I've never been asked that before. And she said, you know, that person would probably be very, very healthy. And so it's interesting here that her understanding of mutations was that they often lead to problems, not benefits. And it's assumed that mutations give benefits, but by and large, mutations uh, are detrimental, not beneficial. Now, you'll often hear pointed out, uh, you'll, you'll hear people say that sickle cell anemia is an example of a uh, beneficial mutation. Now, what is sickle cell? Sickle cell is when the red blood cells are shaped like sickles. Now, the benefit this gives to a person is that uh, malaria has a more difficult time attaching to uh, a bl- red blood cell that's in the shape of a sickle than it does to a normal cell. So what happens is with sickle cell uh, anemia, the person, their arteries cannot get the blood to go through the arteries properly, and the person uh, will often die early. But it also prevents them from getting malaria. Now, this is not an example of what we would call upward evolution uh, in the sense that uh, you're not adding, you're not necessarily adding information in the sense that um, you're putting in new beneficial instructions. It's more like you're ripping away information. So what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is, you know, I had a car uh, a while back and my car had an alarm in it and, and the alarm would go off at night and I wouldn't hear it. And, you know, from a cat or whatever. And so I'd come out to start my car in the morning, but the alarm had been going all night. And so the battery would be dead. And I got tired of this. And so what I did was I took the battery, I took the uh, alarm right out of the car and I solved my problem. My car battery was no longer dead in the morning. Now I created a problem while at the same time getting rid of a problem, right? The problem now is, is that my, my car is more likely to be stolen and I won't you know, there's no alarm, but I solved the problem of my battery going dead. And sickle cell anemia is in a lot of ways, very similar. It's, it's creating a problem while it's quote, solving a problem, but it's not doing it by making it better. Like making my car better would like be putting wings on it. Okay. Then, you know, if I could fly or helicopter, turning it into a helicopter, right? What I'm doing is I'm taking something away that came with the, the car. I'm not adding something to it to make it better. And essentially, this is what undirected mutations do. They either create problems or they take they, they obstruct information and make uh, something potentially worse. Uh, so that's not a good example of upwards evolution taking place, uh, meaning adding information. So if you look at the genetic code of a single cell, it's obviously going to be different than the genetic code of a human. And the question is, where did all that new genetic information come from? Uh, Underactive mutations don't seem to be able to solve that problem. Not with, uh, not with natural selection either. Now, uh, Dr. Sanford um, says that every generation of people is uh, accumulating new mutations. And this is pretty much accepted uh, by population geneticists. Uh, Kondrashov, a population geneticist, he says... The human mutation rate is at least 100 nucleotide substitutions per person per generation. And some people have estimated it's as high as 300 mutations. Now, what does that mean? What is a nucleotide substitution? Well, in your genetic code, you have about 3 billion letters, chemicals uh, represented by letters. And uh, 
when you take one letter out and put a different letter in, that's called a point mutation. It's a nucleotide substitution. It's a misspelling in the genetic code. Now, my daughter's cystic fibrosis is a random change of three nucleotides. So it's basically three letters in um, a three billion part genome. Now, in 1983, the average age of a child who had cystic fibrosis, they'd only lived till about two years old. That was the average age. Uh, now, thank the Lord, this has changed uh, through our God-given minds and uh, the advancements in medicine and technology. My uh, daughter is now very likely to live a full life and uh, completely fine. Uh, although we, we, you know, we still we put on our air vest every day. Uh, multiple times a day, she has to take enzymes before she eat. She uses a uh, breath uh, a system to help her um, be able to breathe better. All these things. But here's the thing: what, what's the point I'm making here? The the three nucleotide that's three letters that are changed in the three billion part genome is fatal. But the lowest estimate of the genetic differences between our DNA and that of chimps, right, or our chimp like ancestor, is 50 million nucleotides. So how are you going to get from that chimp, that chimp-like ancestor, to us without first killing the organism? That's the question. And that's a very important question. Now, I, I hope this is beneficial to you. We're going to get into a few more details about this here. And I've got some uh, pretty amazing stories to share with you um, about a few other scientists who have uh, completely abandoned evolution because of uh, finding scientifically that it's false. Now... Uh, we will be back very shortly. Again, uh, my name is Kevin Conover. If you would like to give me any feedback, which I'd love to have, I'd, I value your feedback very much. Um, you can connect with me on Twitter, on Facebook, and on uh, by email. You can shoot me an email. Um, my website is educateforlife.org. Uh, all kinds of ways to connect with me, and I would love to hear from you. We will be right back and continue discussing the scientific evidence that stands in the way of the theory of evolution. Wake up, America. Diets don't work. Two-thirds of us are overweight or obese, and most of us have dutifully dieted our way there. Research indicates the average woman spends 17 years of her life on a diet. Stop dieting. You can lose weight permanently. Thousands already have. Call now for a free DVD. Your body is a divine miracle. Activate the miracle and lose weight permanently with healing foods. Call the Smart Food Club at 888-787-8188. Take your first steps toward pain-free feet. With just one call, Dr. Roy Phillips will take time with you whether you need top-quality orthotics, relief from ingrown or infected nails, fasciitis, bursitis, or surgical solutions. If you've been told that you need surgery, call Dr. Roy Phillips, 858-272-1091. Learn more online at drphillipspodiatrist.com, 858-272-1091. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We are on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. You can take all kinds of online classes and um, read lots of articles and watch lots of videos. Uh, you can listen to recordings of this show. Um, and uh, what we're talking about this evening is evolution and creation uh, and what's happening right now in politics with it. Uh, Bobby Jindal recently passed a law, uh, the governor of uh, Louisiana, stating that uh, you can teach creationism in the classroom along with evolution. Um, recently, a teacher was released from his job for uh, bringing uh, some creationist ideas into his classroom up in San Luis Obispo uh, at a school. That school was, um, let's see, if you're interested, Arroyo Grande High School. Also, um, Recently, a pretty well-known science uh, professor and evolutionist uh, at a university uh, abandoned evolution and became a, a creationist. And I'm not talking about uh, Dr. Sanford, who we will continue discussing his views about evolution. Um, I'm talking about another fellow by the name of Richard Lumsden. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about this guy. This is from Faith and uh, Facts and Faith, very interesting article. Uh, he was a professor of parasitology and cell biology at Tulane University in Louisiana, where he also served as the dean of the Graduate School of Biological Sciences. 
He's published about 90 peer-reviewed papers. He was awarded the Henry Baldwin Ward Medal, uh, the highest uh, world-recognized award for parasitology. He received 21 research grants, and uh, including places, including for places like Na- the National Institute of Health, the National Science Foundation, and the United States Food and Drug Administration. And uh, you can actually go on YouTube and, and look this up. He actually discusses his views. He used to uh, ridicule Christians. Um, but he says that after giving a lecture at Tulane University on the theory of evolution, one of his best students began asking him questions about evolution, uh, which he later realized had caused him to doubt his long-held evolutionary worldview. And, and the doubt set him on a search for truth. And uh, in his testimony, he says he was a staunch Darwinian evolutionist who took great pleasure in ridiculing Christian beliefs during his university classroom lectures. After the Louisiana legislature passed a law requiring pre-college teachers to give creation equal time, and this this goes back to Bobby Jindal right here, right? Uh, With evolution in the classroom, Lumsden became so outraged that he prepared and delivered a lecture at Tulane University in support of Darwinian evolution. After the lecture, one of Dr. Lumsden's top students asked to meet with him so she could get some of her facts straight. Uh, During, I think she had some ulterior motives, right? During the meeting, without being judgmental or argumentative, the student began asking Dr. Lumsden a series of questions about evolution. Three hours later, when the student thanked him and walked out of his office, Lumsden realized the student's questions had left him with a lot of doubt in his mind about the theory of evolution. After thinking about things in more depth and concluding some additional research, Lumsden finally came to the conclusion that the theory of evolution was a bankrupt theory. He began contemplating the idea of a creator, but didn't know who that creator might be. Shortly thereafter, a family member invited him to go to church service. He agreed. At the end of the service, the pastor gave an altar call, and this is what he says about what happened to him next. This is a quote directly from him. With flesh protesting every inch of the way, I found myself walking forward down to the altar and there found God exclamation mark. Truly at that moment, I came to know him and received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior. That is a phenomenal testimony. Uh, and this happened just very recently uh, to Dr. Lumsden and he's not the only one, you know, Dr. James Tor, uh, one of the most famous scientists in the year, a, entire world. He has been, designated one of the top 50 scientists in the whole world uh, recently came out with a statement uh, saying he sees no evidence whatsoever for the theory of evolution. Uh, uh, This has happened to Dean Kenyon. Same thing. One of the leading chemical evolutionists in the world, San Francisco uh, state university professor uh, emeritus Dean Kenyon. And this has also happened to Dr. Uh, John Sanford Cornell university professor. So we can't argue that all of these guys have ulterior motives to abandoning the theory of evolution. You know, uh, the, the author of the original article I quoted said that Bobby Jindal uh, embraced creationism only because of his presidential aspirations. And that was going to make him more electable. I, I, I find that uh, fallacious in and of itself. But regardless, um, not all these scientists are abandoning evolution and deciding to abandon truth and evidence uh, just because of, of a religious experience. Oftentimes their abandoning of evolution comes prior to their uh, belief in Jesus Christ or God uh, as a creator. So that's important to, to consider when we're evaluating uh, the truth of this matter. And the truth of this matter is a big deal. Uh, evolution in a lot of ways justifies a person's um, uh, justifies a person's belief system, right? So if, if evolution is true, I can believe that God's not real and therefore there is no moral authority over me. I can do what I want with my life. That oftentimes is an ulterior motive for people is that, Hey, I want to live life the way I want to live it. And, uh, I'll find reasons to not believe in God. If it means that I can live life the way I want to and without him, um, putting his nose in my business. And so, you know, that's, that's very significant. Okay, let's pick up where we left off regarding the evidence for evolution. Um, What I was talking about was the fact that we have a 3 billion part uh, genome. Uh, Cystic fibrosis, all it takes is three wrong letters in that 3 billion part genome. Just three wrong letters and it's fatal. Well, 
Well, the difference between chimps and humans is about the lowest estimate is 50 million nucleotides. That's 50 million typographical errors. So the question is, how do you get from that chimp-like ancestor to who we are today without first killing the organism? And that's an important question. Uh, John Sanford says that's impossible and it's not going to happen. And here's the reason he says it. Because for every one slightly beneficial mutation you have that actually aids in the organism's survival meaning it causes it to be, to be chosen by nature as the survival of the fittest, for every one slightly beneficial mutation, you get anywhere from a 10,000 to a million slightly detrimental mutations. So what happens is, even though you may be getting beneficial uh, mutations, you're also getting negative mutations. And because negative mutations are so much more common, um, you actually uh, are going to kill the organism if, if you have too many changes is what they're saying. And, and what's happening is in population genetics, this is becoming more and more clear. What do I mean? Well, what I mean is that um, according to J.F. Crow, he is a population geneticist. He made this statement in 1997. He says, it seems clear that for the past few centuries, harmful mutations have been accumulating. So natural selection can't select out all the harmful mutations because sometimes it can't see them. Right. So we have mutations in our body right now that natural selection can't say, I want to I want to get rid of you. Uh, my my daughter's mutations are selectable by natural selection. Meaning she would be selected out of the gene pool. But we we have lots of mutations that we pass on to our children that don't uh, show up in our lives. And so we don't get selected out of the gene pool. And so what's happening is small, slightly detrimental muta- mutations are accumulating. And that's about 1% to 2% per generation. Viability is going down, meaning uh, the human generation, the human are, humans are getting worse and worse. Their health is getting worse and worse over time. Deleterious mutation rates appear to be so high in humans and our close relatives that it is doubtful that such species could survive. This is a statement made by two um, uh, population geneticists. Uh, the title of their article was High Genomic Deleterious Mutation Rates in Hominids. That's from Nature. Um, 397. That was in 1999. Uh, Air Walker and P. Uh, Kitely, if I'm saying the names correctly there. Another guy, Kondrashov, said, Contamination of the genome by very slightly deleterious mutations. Why have we not died 100 times over? And what he's saying is, it doesn't make sense to me that we still exist. Because based on the amount of uh, mutations that are accumulating, we should already be extinct. And... So if we've been around for millions and millions of years, for hundreds of thousands of years, you know, evolutionists say 200,000 years, we should already be gone. And so what does this mean? Well, when we get back, I'll tell you what it means. And we'll wrap up our show uh, with some uh, pretty uh, powerful conclusions. Okay, stay with us. We'll be right back. Wake up, America. Two-thirds of us are overweight or obese, and it's not your fault. And the guilt, frustration, and pain. Stop dieting, starving, and depriving yourself. Free yourself from the bondage of feeling trapped in your body. Forgive yourself. Achieve permanent weight loss with healing foods. You can love food again. You can lose weight permanently. Thousands already have. Call now for a free DVD, Your Body is a Divine Miracle. Learn how to activate the miracle. Call the Smart Food Club at 888-787-8188. Welcome back to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. If you've got any feedback, I'd love to have it. You can connect with me on Twitter or Facebook or uh, shoot me an email. You can get my email off my website. And uh, I want to let you know that next week we're going to be having a special guest on the show. His name is Mark Armitage, and he is actually a... um, a uh, paleontologist. He digs up bones and he recently found one of the largest triceratops bones ever found. Uh, But that's not all. What's really amazing about it is that uh, as he began to study the triceratops bone, uh, it it was two feet long, weighed 20 pounds. Um, uh, What happened was it had unfossilized soft tissue in the bone. Now this is phenomenal because dinosaurs supposedly went extinct around 65 million years ago and yet here we have unfossilized uh, triceratops bone that uh, Mark Armitage found and uh, sadly what's really crazy about this he wrote he he began to write 
uh, up about this, you know, um, uh, scientific journals and so forth. And um, when he when they found out that he was writing that this clearly was evidence for the biblical record, which if you take the genealogies in the Bible, literally uh, the, the earth is only around 6000 years old. Uh, he's saying these dinosaurs went extinct recently, not millions of years ago, because otherwise we, w- we wouldn't have unfossilized tissue. Now, he's not the only one that's found something like this. This has also been found by Mary Schweitzer, who found a T-Rex bone with red blood cells in it. Uh, she also found a hadrosaur bone uh, with unfossilized bone. And more and more uh, scientists are finding this kind of evidence. Sadly, um, California State University uh, dismissed him after he published his view of his findings and that the earth was created a few thousand years ago. So uh, he's been in a tough situation. Uh, The Pacific justice Institute has decided to um, represent Mark Armitage in saying that uh, he was unlawfully uh, fired from his position at uh, California state university Northridge. And we're going to have him on the air uh, next, next week, next Sunday, to 5 p.m. and uh, we'll have a detailed discussion exactly about what he found and uh, you know where things are at currently I don't think that's that's a good way to approach things Uh, when we hear evidence that's contrary to our position right Uh, we don't want to become so dogmatic uh, especially evolutionists would claim that they're not dogmatic and yet what do we see dogma is uh, information that cannot be you, you can't you can't you can't contradict when somebody's dogmatic. It means it doesn't matter what evidence you have that that is contrary to their position. They won't look at it. They're dogmatic. OK, they they will not hear anything else. They are compelled to believe something not because of the evidence, but because of a uh, adherence to beliefs over evidence or over truth. And that's not a good a good place to be. Uh, that's not a good situation that leads to all kinds of cults and and weird things right so we don't we don't want to be involved with that so um you know when i left off i was talking about uh dr john sanford uh and his and his conclusion he became a, a creationist and a christian creationist because he found genetic evidence against evolution now uh this is not just some average scientist this is a cornell university professor uh who was 25 years at cornell uh, 70, uh, uh, over 25 patents and, um, and, uh, 70 publications that he's written, uh, came to this conclusion. Essentially what he concluded was that the rate at which the human genome is, is being contaminated, meaning it's getting deleterious mutations, um, is so rapid that as a, as a, species we would have already died out if we had been here any longer than 6,000 years. He actually goes into great detail on this in his book. His book, by the way, is genetic entropy by Dr. John Sanford. I highly recommend it uh, for a a science book. It's very easy reading and uh, it's amazing, but here's a quote from the book. He says, human lifespans in early history. When biblical lifespans are plotted against time for the generations after Noah, we see a dramatic decline in life expectancy, which has the strong appearance of a biological decay curve. Fitting the data to the line of best fit reveals an exponential curve. The curve fits the data very well, having a correlation coefficient of 90%. It seems highly unlikely this biblical data could have been fabricated. Now, what does that mean in in everyday language? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you read the early genealogies in the Bible, it starts with Adam and there's a rapid drop off in the amount of time people live. So it starts with these ages that seem uh, unbelievable. Adam living over 900 years old seems crazy, but you just got to ask the question, what causes people to die? And if you had a perfect person, would they live longer, right? If they didn't have all these genetic uh, mutations that have dis- that uh, that are destructive, would people be healthier and live longer? Uh, well, according to Dr. Sanford's research, when you plot a a biological decay curve against the the lifespans listed in the Bible, because they drop off over over time, you get down to Joseph in Egypt, and he lives um, just barely over a hundred years old. Now, to us, that's very long, but it fits just perfectly with a biological decay curve, meaning every generation is getting a hundred to 300 new mutations. 
which is causing the viability of the human species to drop down. And interestingly enough, this fits perfectly with what the Bible teaches, right? It says that in, in Genesis two seventeen, because of the fact that Adam and Eve ate, disobeyed God, sin brought death and decay into the world. And from that point forward, they began to die, right? And it says in Romans 8, 21 through 22, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And what he's saying here is that creation, as we all know, is dying, right? We look around us, we see, right, the, the ozone layer depleting, uh, we see pollution, we see um, animals going extinct. And this was happening regardless of whether people are involved or not. Um, animals have been going extinct for a long time. The, wor- the, the earth's rotation is slowing down. The moon is slowly moving away from the earth. The sun is burning out. Everything is slowly wearing out. And this is exactly what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. And in Romans 5, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and this way death came to all people because all sinned. So again, what we're seeing here is the Bible's explanation for why we all die is disobedience to God and ultimately separation from God, right? Romans 5, 18, 18 through 19 says, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous, right? Adam's sin brought death to all people, And Christ's obedience brings the opportunity for life to all people. And that is what the Bible teaches. And in fact, what the Bible teaches in regards to people dying and uh, things getting worse and worse and worse, right? We actually see um, displayed in what we know of science. Whereas evolution says things are getting better and better and better. uh, The Bible actually says things are getting worse and worse and worse. And, uh, this seems to be the case. Anyway, I hope that you've enjoyed the show tonight. I hope that it was beneficial to you. Um, I highly encourage you to, to look into this more thoroughly, um, and, uh, to check out the facts. Uh, there's so much good evidence for the truth of the Bible and for the truth of creation. Uh, I'd love to have some feedback from you. If this was helpful to you, you can connect with me on Twitter or Facebook or, my website, educateforlife.org. Next week, we will have Mark Armitage on the show, who recently discovered uh, one of the largest Triceratops bones ever found. And we'll be talking about that finding with him. Pretty amazing evidence for also for the truth of the Bible. Have a great night. God bless you. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a regular feature on AM 1170, The Answer. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, educateforlife.com. That's educateforlife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, exclusively on AM 1170. The answer. Educate for Life on AM 1170. The answer is sponsored by educateforlife.org.